Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Well, welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast, and we will have to change the title of that sooner or later. Joining me down the King Power Stadium today is my colleague who's returned from a week on the piste, a skiing holiday. Uh, it's Jordan Blackwell. Welcome back, Jordan. Thanks, Rob. Well, not a lot's happened whilst you've been away. I know, yeah. We've only changed the manager. Um, so, first of all, Jordan, I'd just like to get your thoughts on... On the change, I mean, you went away, Claude Puel was manager, um, they get hammered at home by Crystal Palace, he gets sacked, and then a couple of days later, in the blink of an eye, Brendan Rodgers is the new Leicester City manager, what have you made of it all? Well, I think that's the surprising thing, I think the speed at which everything happened, usually when a manager is sacked, you know, particularly in quite surprising circumstances, I know Leicester didn't really intend to, to get rid of uh, Puel this season. Normally, after that, after a sacking, you would have at least a week um, before names start coming up and it starts to become clear who might become manager but yeah it was all sort of done and dusted in a couple of days um, which I think is a really good um, is really good for the club that they have got uh, have done that um, and I think everything's looking a little bit more positive now I think that although I don't think Poir was doing too bad of a job and I probably would have liked to have seen him stay until the end of the season and then assessed from there I think it's clear that Rogers has a bigger profile and is a more positive appointment as you know things were getting gradually more negative under under Powell, um and the results weren't really picking up but yet Rogers seems like you know he seems like the ideal appointment he seems like the kind of manager that's no is going to continue what's good and sort what and sort what's not um you know he's he's a good talker um he seems like the sort of manager that's going to get on well with the squad and he's going to be able to rally the rally the team so yeah, it's impressive, and I think it's yeah really important that they've got him in straight away. He's got this period of well now nine games, almost as like a pre pre season um, to to get the squad ready so that they can actually sort of hit the ground running next season. I mean that's the thing, isn't it? When you went away, the, the storm clouds were gathering a little bit on Claude. Uh, I mean, that first half against Crystal Palace wasn't a, p- a bad performance. It wasn't a great performance either, but it wasn't a bad one. But then it, the, way, the wheels just fell off in the second yeah. half, which prompted uh, the decision to, to sack him. But I don't think City had Rodgers lined up. And it was a case of they approached um, Celtic on the, on the Monday and they straight away said to Rod- Rodgers, are you interested? Yes, I am. OK, you can talk to him. It was very, very strange how it all happened so, so quickly. But um, then, obviously, the bounce, the, re- the, the win against Brighton. And uh, then Brendan took his first game last week against Watford. I know you were away. You weren't with me at the game. Um, our new lad, Jamie Kemble, was. But um, it, it didn't seem dissimilar to the performances we'd been seeing before. You know, City conceding an early goal, conceding a last-minute winner, like they did at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um but you get the impression he's setting about this task with a bit of vigour, isn't he? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was a statement that he changed the formation straight away. Mm. Um, I think it would have been easy, particularly after the game against Brighton, where I thought they played pretty well, but they kind of played the same system that Powell had been playing. It would have been easy for Rogers to just stick with that, but obviously he wants to get straight into it. He wants to try and sort the problems, the underlying problems that the Leicester aren't breaking down 
teams uh, easily enough. Um, and so, yeah, he's changed the formation. I don't think it worked particularly well. But then again, it's a completely new formation and it's going to take time. Um, I think the the wing-backs didn't quite know what to do on occasion. I think Ricardo looked a little bit more comfortable doing it than Chilwell. And the, but occasionally they didn't have anybody to pass to and they had to go alone. I don't think Barnes looked quite as comfortable coming inside, sort of in a more um, inside role than he is on the wing. So I think it's going to take time for players to get used to. But as I said before, they've essentially got a, a free run of nine games now. They're not going to get relegated. They probably need two more points to be absolutely sure. Um, so they've got a, a good run of games where they can experiment with things to make sure that when they start the next season things uh, get going quickly. It does feel like there's a, a much more positivity around the club now, certainly amongst the supporters with Rogers in charge. That division between the supporters that was um, increasingly becoming negative towards Claude Puel, that seems to disappear now. Everybody seems to be behind Rogers, and he does seem to be an inspirational character, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think there's, I think everybody's behind him because they can appreciate that his last three jobs at Swansea, Liverpool and Celtic He's done a very good job in each of them, um, and I think you know, seeing that he's um, seeing that he's got that pedigree there, but also you know, from an, his experience in the Premier League, I don't think there's anything negative there for anybody to latch onto. So I think that's why everybody's got behind him, and he does seem like a he does seem like a, a good talker. He does seem like the sort of manager that that will be able to to make sure the squad's optimistic all the time. Um, I think he's more. He won't necessarily be as as realist as Puel was. I think Puel sometimes almost brought the negativity on himself because he was such a realist and he would always want to keep everybody granted. I think Rogers probably gets the balance right a little bit better in terms of having ambition but not you know not being ridiculous with it. Um, so yeah, I think there's a there is a lot more uh, you know positivity and it's actually made the the end of the season quite exciting even though Leicester are in mid-table and they are going to finish in mid-table usually when you're a mid-table club when the season gets to March it's kind of that's done or when's mm-hmm. the next season starting but I think there's something to um, to be excited about Well the, the big problems for Claude were um, perhaps lack of communication his inability to get his message across to his players and, and to get them fully behind what he was invested in what he was trying to do Brendan doesn't seem to have a, uh, that as a problem. He's a great communicator and he's already getting uh, the players really on side down the training ground. And one of the big criticisms of Claude whilst that his training sessions were long-winded, it was were very technical, very tactical. A lot of people standing around. Robert Hoof said it when he was quite critical of Claude in the media. Uh, but from what Ben Shilwell was told us, it's a lot sharper, more intense training. Um, it's only an hour on the training ground and, and it really gets them up and fired up. That's a change, or a significant change already. Do you think that will address these terrible starts? Because again, in the first five minutes of Watford, they can uh, they conceded. Um, well, I hope so. I, I, to be honest, I, I'm not sure. Um, I think, well, to do it, to, to make the, the sessions tactical, I can see why he did that, but I think there's a, a possibility that you can overload players with tactical information. Um, so I think that Rogers going the other way and making the, 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 the session shorter and sharper could help with that in that the players aren't focused on too many things at once because the instructions are simpler maybe. Mm. Uh, so that, that might help. 
but I, I, I think we're going to have to, to wait and yeah. see on that front. I think yeah, yeah, he looks like a motivational type of manager, so we'll see what sort of yeah. response he gets. Now, off the pitch, the club announced its financial results for the previous uh, financial year. Uh, this week, um, not surprisingly, considering they weren't in the Champions League, the last time record profits of £90 million, um, slashed down to profits of £1.5 million, um, basically because of the Champions League money wasn't there. But it was significant in the report how the, the club stated on more than one occasion the aim is to break into the top six. Now, when Brendan came in, he talked about breaking into the top six. How realistic do you think that is at the moment? Obviously not uh, this season, no, but, no. but next um, season. I think it will take a few seasons. I can't see it uh, coming to fruition next season. I think the gulf between the the top six and the likes of Leicester uh, is still too big. I know Leicester have done it before, but I think that you know that was a very unique set of circumstances that aren't going to come around very often. Um, so I think it's I think it's difficult. I think they're they're going about it the right way in terms of building you know they've got young players and they're hoping to to build them together so that they can create a top six you know or to develop a top six team rather than buying one in because I think that's where it's impossible to buy in a top six um, team Um, so yeah I think it's going to take a while I think that I mean I had a particular look at the the wages and the difference um, between 2016-17 2016-17 season and last season and Leicester's wage has only gone up £6 million pounds, uh, for the whole year which normally wages are the best indicator of whereabouts you should be finishing in the league but United and Arsenal and Chelsea they're all raising their wages £30 million pounds year on year even Everton's went up £40 million. so I think that's an area that Leicester are going to have to spend more money mm. um, in order to, to bridge that gap. But I think it, it's going to be difficult. But yes, they are going about it the right way. It's a very bold statement. I know the famous Johan Cruyff quote is that I've never seen a bag of money score a goal. <laughs> but money does help you in terms of recruiting the players that are going to score those goals for you. And and if Tottenham are the side that are probably, uh, where people talk about being the most vulnerable, the one that you're going to have to try and catch... Well, they're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, so they're going to get that £80 million that Leicester City aren't. I think it's a very bold statement from the club and from Brendan. It's great to have ambition, and it will get the fans really fired up as well, but it also raises that expectation level as well. And it uh, be interesting to see how, how, how that goes over the next few, uh, few seasons. But we know they're going to be in the transfer market. Brendan said he already knows what he needs to bring in, where he needs to strengthen his squad. They've already been linked with a number of players. Most notably, the Rangers Colombian striker, Alfredo Morales. What have you made of that? Um, I think it's one of those that's. Uh, it's convenient that it's cropped up as soon as Rogers uh, arrived. At Interesting Leicester. what he said today when he was yeah. asked about it. He said somebody's been a bit mischievous there. Didn't yeah, he? he said someone's on a wind up, yeah. which it seems to suggest that it really is rumours and speculation rather than there being anything in it. Um, but I think we're going to have to get used to that. I think we're going to have to get used to all manner of Celtic players being linked to um, oh, being linked half to the Leicester. team's been linked with Leicester, yeah, exactly, and so. even the head of recruitment. Um, so yeah, I think we're going to have to get used to those sorts of things. But I think he'll slowly be getting an idea. I think he'll have a general idea now of what he needs. But I think that idea will become more concise as he as he gets towards the window and as he um, as he watches his team play more games. But certainly, I think 
like Powell did just before he was sacked, he'll see that Leicester need another striker. Um, and then I think it will be a case of replacing any possible outgoing players. And I know there's you know there's players out of contract, so um, yeah, it'll be interesting. And I think we can expect to see Leicester make probably four, four or five signings in the summer. Well, we normally start these podcasts with some team news from the prep. So, but so we should be finished with some team news today. Jamie Vardy took a, a right smash from Ben Foster at Vicarage Road last week. And although he was down for a while and got up and carried on and scored a, a great goal, um, he had to come off feeling the effects of that blow heavier. What's, uh, what's Brendan said on the update on his condition? Well, first things first, he's fine. He's going to play against Fulham, uh, which is the, the good news. Um, but he did say he had to have stitches in his tongue. Um, obviously, the, there was... I mean, you saw immediately that, that Foster had a cut on his, uh, on his chin... Um, because it was a really, it was a bit a heavy clash. Um, so it seems that in the collision somehow Vardy's cut his tongue and uh, he's had to have stitches there. But he says it's fine. It's not going to stop him playing, nor is it stopping him talking, as Roger said. Um, so he's, a, he's his usual usual chatterbox self. Um, so that's a good news on that front, and good news on the injury front as a whole. There's no fresh injuries. Uh, for Rogers to contend with still, uh, Amate and Albrighton, the only players out, and I think, well, I think Amate may be back soon, but Albrighton may be looking at the end of the season. And that's real positive that Jamie Vardy is fit because he's going to be very important to how Brendan wants to play, certainly against uh, Fulham this weekend. He's on 98 uh, Leicester City goals, 99 if you had the charity shield, which and, we don't, which we don't because <laughs> it's a friendly game. <laughs> So 98, so two more and he gets the century for, for, for Leicester City and uh, it looks like he could be, he could have another second wind under Brendan Rodgers, the way uh, Rodgers has been talking about him yeah, in glad terms. I think that's the key, I think almost immediately one of Rodgers' first talking points was we need to almost build the team around Vardy and make sure that he's getting the service he deserves. Um, I think there was a case of that on on uh, Sunday at Watford I th- don't think Vardy had too many chances but you could see for the goal in particular Tielemans you know, had a few looks to see where Vardy was and to check that he was onside before playing the ball um, so I think we'll see we'll see more of that and we'll see the likes of Madison and Barnes you know, always trying to feed Vardy as well um, so yeah he could keep going I think I think Lineker's next on the um, on Leicester's uh, scoring list so yeah he, he, he could overtake him soon and you mentioned Tielemans there's talk about him costing 40 million quid now mm. is he worth it? Oh, it's far uh, too early to say isn't it I suppose he's only played a couple of games yes but I think I think the fact that Leicester get to see him play and get to see how he fits in you know mm. will will tell them whether they think he's worth 40 million pounds because occasionally you spend I mean you've we've seen Leicester spend lots of money on players playing in different leagues 30 million pounds on Slimani more than 20 million pounds on Adrian Silva players playing in different leagues that have then come over and not necessarily adjusted to the league but you can see at least Leicester are now getting an opportunity to see how Tiedemans fits in I would say from his first few games he settled in quite well. You know, he's got a couple of assists already, and I think his, his performances have been generally impressive. Um, I think, given the fact he's only 21 still, uh, and the potential to grow even further, I think maybe 40 million wouldn't be so bad. I mean, obviously, Leicester might be able to knock it down if they can convince Silver to go the other way, which he seems to be getting on well at Monaco as well. Um, so yeah, Leicester may have a new record signing come the summer, um, which would be exciting. And I think I do think Tielemans. Certainly, I think he's playing well enough that he should retain his place in starting eleven for the rest of the season. 
Well, we've got loads of stories from today's press conference and all the build-up to the fuller game on Leicestershire Live if you want to head over there and check out those stories. And we'll be having a, a, a live blog running throughout the uh, afternoon on Saturday. Jordan will be manning that, keeping you up to date of all the events here at the King Power Stadium. So don't uh, miss that either. And we'll see you next time on Diddy Ding Diddy Dong.